0: our mom Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to listen. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom so you can help your kids be in perfect too. And And have have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 19, When Life Feels Hard. And before I get to the topic today, I want to read your love and affection and words of affirmation on the podcast is literally the gas to my car because every single time I sit down to record a podcast, I want to do all the things my brain wants to do. It wants to procrastinate. wants to put it off. I'll do it tomorrow. You have to think about it more. You have something in your throat. You have a little cold. There's a lot of noise outside. Today, the lawnmen were here and I was like, oh, the lawnmen are here. I'll have to do it later. I'm like, no, I'm in a closet. I can do it. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. It helps me so much because it's very hard to be this vulnerable and put myself out there all the time. As you can probably imagine, because you're wanting to put yourself out there in your life in a certain way, whether it's going after a goal and then you're having judgment from other people, or whether it's you want to open up that Etsy shop or you want to be more vulnerable in your marriage or you wanna connect more with your kids, it's very vulnerable to go and do those things. But it's so worth it, I can't even tell you. And um, AB Baby says, I love Kelly's enthusiasm. She reminds us that we actually love being parents. We love our kids, we just need to calm ourselves. Then there are tips on how to do this. I try to marry the two between telling the whys behind your yelling and you're losing your temper and losing losing your cool and losing your mind I try to balance between that and also giving tips and teaching detachment, but you can't do the tips without the detaching and you can't do the detaching without the tips. You know what I mean? Like I have clients that I work with and they're super detached and then they're like, I don't know what to say. And then I have other people who know what to say, but they're not detached. So the way in which they're delivering it is way off. And I was the latter. I had all the tips, all the tactics, all the strategies, my delivery. Was way off. I'm like, I was like left field. And so if you have children that are acting out a lot, just look within, which is the hardest thing to do because it's so much easier to blame the child or blame the husband or blame the house. But you just lose all your power when you do that. And I only know that because I did that forever, forever and ever. Amen. And I was like, I just need Lily to do a little bit more of this and a little less of this. I need Grady to do a little bit more of this and a little less of this. I need David to do a little bit more of this and a little less of this. And when I threw away the recipe for what I thought they should be doing, and I just focused on my side of the street, which is very difficult to do because the brain is very defensive. The ego, the brain, the amygdala, whatever you want to call it, is very defensive. I still find myself getting defensive, and I like now when that comes up for me because then I can... I can kind of look at it like, what part are they right about? Someone wrote on one of my videos on Facebook, they're li- <laughs> it was a guy too. It was a dude writing this. I'm like, it was an 18-minute video. It's about how to get off the crazy cycle. And I did the steps like detach, mirror, label, support. And a couple comments said, and it was about getting kids to listen. And they said, if you would just shut up, then they would listen. The reason why your kids don't listen to you is because you don't stop talking. And I was like, "Huh? Ego, amygdala, defensiveness." And then I was like, "Wait, they're kind of right. I do kind of ramble. I do have timers on top of timers on top of timers. I do have a little ADD going on when I'm when I'm saying my message. So thank you for that. So always look within instead of looking externally because you will find yourself so much more empowered that way. And when I was teaching first grade and my sister was teaching kindergarten. And she came over to our little condos before we had kids and we were making volunteer presents for our parents who volunteered in our classroom. And we were bagging them up in gift bags. This was literally like 2000 year 2000. This story still carries on. It's such a silly story, but it's so powerful for the message today. And so we're tying up the raffia bows and know raffia like that stringy it looks almost like hay and it makes every it's like martha stewart-ish it's like makes the present look just it's just the icing on the cake and so jennifer who is like she has more creativity in her pinky than i do if i read every single martha stewart book i mean she is like a creative as they come with all things she does everything she touches turns to gold she's tying up her raffia bow sometimes i'm like are we even related because you are so creative and she's tying up her raffia bow And it looks better than Martha Stewart's. No offense to Martha Stewart, but these bows were amazing. And then I was doing mine as I'm kind of watching her. And I said, mine looked like a first grader did them. It looked like, and I was like, I just kind of got all huffy. I dropped my shoulder. She's like, what's the matter? I'm like, your bows are so much better. You're so good at raffia. And I'm just terrible at it. And she's like, oh, hello, self-talk. I'm like, I know, but look, And she says, you know what you got to do? You got to take the raffia and you got to control the raffia. You got to take the raffia. And she starts like, and she's tying the bow. And she's like, you got to show it who's boss. And I was like, okay. So every single time I tie a raffia bow, I think about that. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. I'm like getting all aggressive with the raffia. And I'm like, I am the boss here, raffia. I am in control. And that always stuck with me because... It was very empowering to have the raffia like that. And a lot of times our brain likes to go to disempowerment thoughts. It likes to, the amygdala and the lower part and the monkey mind and the ego likes to always indulge in two emotions that do not serve us. It likes to indulge in overwhelm and confusion. The amygdala, the lower part of all of our brains, likes to feel sorry for itself It likes to feel pity. It likes to be the victim because when the amygdala stays in that mode, then action does not have to happen. This is such good news because there's nothing wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with your child and there's nothing wrong with between what you want, what you do and what you get. So the want, do, get triangle, you want something, you do it, something to get it and then you get it. Want, do, get. So, this could be used for whether you're trying to lose weight, you're trying to stop yelling, you're trying to have more fun in your marriage, you're trying to organize your house. Write down what you want, write down what you need to do, and then that is how you're going to get it. The problem with what happens is that the do is all clouded because the brain does not want to do all those things. The brain, remember I talked about in a previous episode, it likes to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and be efficient. It likes to coast. It likes to do the same old, same old. So all this doing is no bueno for the brain. This is really good news because if you think you're a procrastinator or you're always been a yeller or you're lazy or you have no motivation, that's just the amygdala doing its job. So high five the amygdala and like love on the amygdala for doing what it's supposed to do but then you take action in spite of the amygdala and then it gets softer, it gets less intense and it loses a lot of its power. It's almost like if you're teaching Spanish to Grady, who's in third grade versus teaching Spanish to me at age 44, uh, he's going to learn it in probably six to 12 months and I'm going to need six to 12 years. Why is that? Because his unconscious brain is still developing and growing. It's like that soft Play-Doh. Mine is like Play-Doh that's left out overnight. It's hard as a rock. So he's still creating new neural pathways where I have to work extra hard to create new neural pathways. Neural pathways is just a fancy word for what we've always thought. Because children do not have thoughts that they've already thought, creating new neural pathways for them is a lot easier even though it's harder for us as adults, it doesn't mean we don't do it. It doesn't mean we don't work out. It doesn't mean we continue to yell. It doesn't mean that we continue to feel like we're living with a roommate and a brother in our marriage. It doesn't mean we have to continue living in a messy, cluttered, or unorganized house. Because what you want, when you do it, you will get it. So I always get clients that I'm working with and they'll tell me how hard their life is and I always say what's harder than what you're dealing with right now and it gives instant perspective because when we always say that life is so hard it's very disempowering it's kind of like me looking at the raffia bow saying this is so hard to do this and I just keep doing it and doing it and I don't change anything because if nothing changes nothing changes And we literally do the same things over and over and over expecting different results. And that, my friends, is the definition of insanity. Because we're trying to control the universe. We're trying to control all the humans in our life. We're trying to control externally. And I don't know if you've ever been, if someone's tried to control you or judged you, you feel very small, very weak and very disempowered. It doesn't really motivate you for change. And so what I preach and I try to help clients with and I try to help all of you with is that when you come from an empowered place versus disempowered, you get all of your strength and your control and your courage back within your own side of the street. Because strength is built in the struggle. I'll say that again. Strength is built in the struggle. I look back at our infertility days, hardest thing Dave and I have ever been through for six years of struggle and pain and agony and miscarriages and medical bills and uncertainty and prayers and hopelessness, I look back on that, I wouldn't change it for a second. I wouldn't make it happen in six days, six months. Back then I was like, please take this away, please take this away. But I look back and all the strength that we've built, not only as a couple, but then as as parents, because all the minutia and all the everydays is every day is a gift because we went through that struggle. And Darren Hardy says this, um, I think, in either The Compound Effect or The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster, which are two fabulous books. Anything about Darren Hardy is amazing. I'm on his email list, and he sends amazing content. And he says, you know, when you're doing a workout, intense lifting causes these microscopic tears to form in the fiber and the connective tissues of the muscles. And these tears actually fatigue the muscles and accumulate in large numbers, okay? And I'm reading this on the Googles. So with proper rest and sufficient nutrients, the muscles are slowly rebuilt over the following days, but full repair can take a week or more. So think about when you're working out, you're actually hurting the muscle. You're actually breaking down the muscle because you're trying to create a bigger, stronger muscle to replace it. In the fibers. And that's what life is like, especially after you hit 25 and the brain stops, stops growing. Life is supposed to be hard because the strength is built in the struggle. But we don't have to come from a victim, poor me, confusion, overwhelm, I feel sorry for myself, from a pity place because that's very disempowering. But when we come from an empowering place and say, Life is always happening for us. It's not happening to us. What's the lesson here? What's the message? What am I supposed to learn from this? When we come at it from that angle, that's where we get our power back. What am I supposed to learn from this child who's strong-willed? What am I supposed to learn from this spouse that I chose to marry? What am I supposed to learn from this messy house? How can this make me stronger? How is the strength being built in this? Because I've said in a previous podcast, when you always choose the easy path of Netflix and cheese puffs on the couch, then life always feels very hard. But when you choose the harder path of the working out, making better choices, not yelling at your kids, being vulnerable with your spouse, then life starts to feel very easy. It's like you're playing life with a medicine ball and you're actually asking for the challenges. You're asking for the struggle. Then you put the medicine ball down and you're like, oh, this isn't as hard as I thought it was to play basketball in the, in the front yard. Because you've been playing with a medicine ball for so long and you're not coming at it from a place of pity and fear and lack and feeling sorry for ourselves and victim. But that's what the amygdala wants to do. My brain does it to me all the time. And so I'll have... Clients that I'm working with will say it's just so hard because my child is strong-willed, or they have temper tantrums, or they have ADHD, or they have ODD. And I want to respond the same way that David did when I said when I was sending him all those baby center articles that there was something wrong with our kids, and he would just write back, "And you're built for this. You're the perfect person for this. This is your calling. This is your when you know that you are paired up with the exact child you're meant to have." Then you don't go so much into fixing and changing and fine-tuning and the recipe. You go into every single experience with that child or children with what am I supposed to learn here? Show me my blind spots. How is my ego showing up? How is this happening for me? How is this happening for me, not to me? Do you see how much more empowering that is? It's kind of like if our kids come to us and they say, you know what? I'm doing this double-digit multiplication and they're in fourth grade, let's say, and it is so hard. What are you going to say to your child? Okay, just don't do the homework. It doesn't matter. Just give up. Just lay on the couch and eat ding-dongs with me. No, we want to empower the child. We help the child. You can do hard things, child. And the same thing goes. That's our mantra and our verse throughout our whole house. I can do hard things. You can continue. I can do hard things through Christ who strengthens us. This is where the strength is built in the struggle. Once you learn this double digit multiplication, your brain is creating new neural pathways. I get it. And what's going to happen is that single digit multiplication is going to be so easy for you. You just need practice and you need time and you need experience. And when you go at your life, with that same double-digit multiplication energy, then life starts to feel on your side and it's happening for you, not to you. Because it's supposed to be hard. We always want to hit the easy button, but when we hit the easy button, then life always feels hard. So when something happens in your life that's coming up as challenging, always ask yourself, how is this happening for me? What's the lesson? It could be something as silly as traffic. When I'm stuck in traffic... And I start to get annoyed. I'll see my brain, my monkey mind do its work, play the victim, poor me. I'm never gonna be there on time. I'm always running late. I'm such a bad person. And I flip it like the pen switch. I'm like, how is this happening for me? This is teaching me more about time management. Maybe I'm gonna meet someone really cool at the store that I wouldn't have run into normally. Maybe God's protecting me from an accident that might happen. So I just say, thank you, thank you. When I can't find a parking spot. Silly things. You can practice this on a smaller level so then on the bigger level it happens more naturally. Looking for a parking spot, can't find one. Poor me. Victim. Pity. All the things come up. And then I click it like a pen switch. How is this happening for me? I'm going to park further. I can't wait to see the spot that I found. What's God trying to teach me? How am I supposed to slow down in this moment? What can I teach my kids who are watching in the background and see me frustrated that I don't have a parking spot at the mall and it's raining? What's the lesson, God? What's the lesson? I'll say it out loud. I'm like, oof. That's Lily's favorite word. Oof. It's the best word ever. I shall say, oop. I'm like, what's the lesson here, kids? What's the bright side? So then it trains their brain, who is creating neuronal pathways, and it's so easy for them. To do the same in their own life when life feels hard. I always tell Grady when he says his homework's hard, I'm like, I get it, boo. I get it, dude. I'm doing something here that's hard too. Hutchinson's choose hard. Our last name starts with an H on purpose. He really believes that to his core, that Hutchinson's choose hard, and that's why our last name starts with an H. I just, that randomly fell out of my mouth like three years ago. He's like, well, that's why our last name starts with an H. And I was like, oh, he really believed that. <laughs> Sorry, making myself laugh. That's really embarrassing. I'm in a closet laughing by myself. Wow. When Lily had scoliosis, we found it at three because of the moldy house. Thank the Lord for the moldy house, which was one of the most stressful things we've ever been through as a family. Without that moldy house, we would have never, ever found her scoliosis until probably it was too late because they don't check for scoliosis until like seventh or eighth grade. It's insane in the membrane. And then we were forced to move out of the house we just moved into six weeks prior. No place to go. No realtor. I went on realtor.com and I just called places. And the first person that picked up the phone, I started crying to her. She's like, do you have a realtor? I'm like, it's a really sad situation. We have no place to go. And we're three weeks and we're sleeping on my sister's couch. And we just moved here. And I have a one-year-old and a three- Like, it was like, it was like Niagara Falls came out. And I said, I found this house and I think it's really cute. And, and I don't know, victim, poor me. This is way before I was doing mind management. I was like victim mode. The sky is falling and I have proof and evidence to show it. This is way before I started reading all these books. And I was victim mode, Poor, feel sorry for myself, pity overwhelm, confusion, arguing with David, snappy at the kids. I was a hot mess express all the time because I wasn't managing my mind. I wasn't like, if someone would have come to me and said, how is this happening for you? I think I would have body slammed them. (laughs) So please don't body slam me. It's just your amygdala doing its job. I promise. I promise. I'm a nice person. Don't body slam me. (laughs) Your monkey mind just taking over. So this is, I like to look back on that time because I I kind of forget how much my mind was out of control then. And I was just crying to her. And I said, I found this house. And then she's like, she said the best words back. She's like, oh, sorry, I just rented that one out. And I'm like, of course you did. Because the Hutchisons were the victims here. This is not okay. And I'm crying even more. I'm like And it was just like, yep, more evidence that the sky is falling. Poor me, self-pity, confusion, overwhelm, I'm the victim. Let's just, what else is coming? And so I was actually drawing more victim things to happen. She's like, "What? Well, wait, that one I just rented, but I have another one in this like cute little town. And I was like, I've never heard of that town. What are you talking about? Okay, fine. And we met at the house and literally I walked in, David's at work and I walked in and I'm an energy absorber. And as soon as I walked in the house, I was like, this house has the most amazing energy. And it was like the clouds parted. And I was like, yes, where's the contract? Let's sign the paperwork. And I heard later that the owners of the house were around the corner watching us to see like, are they legit? I was with Grady and I was like, Grady, don't touch anything. And I'll have, you know, that was in 2012, let's say. And we are still in that house. It is our dream house, a dream neighborhood, dream neighbors, dream school. I feel like I'm living in Mayberry. It was all happening for us behind the scenes, but I didn't know that. It was victim Hutchison's. And after a year of renting, we went to the owners and we said, we're really sorry. We have to move out. Lily's starting kindergarten. We want to have our roots. We love it here. We just want to give you like, we gave him like six months notice. And they're like, would you ever consider buying this house? And I was like, wait, wait, What? Would you ever consider selling it? Are you kidding me? It was like a dream come true. But during the hardest time of our lives, with the mold and not having a place to live and the crying to the realtor, all of our strength was being built in the background. It was all happening for us and not to us. We weren't the victim. We were empowered. We weren't disempowered. Our thinking was disempowered. Life was feeling very hard. And so we started to choose very hard things. And now life feels very easy. But I wasn't asking the questions then. I wasn't asking for the lessons. My brain was taking over and I was just playing the victim. Poor me. And then when Lily would had her difficult behaviors, I'm like, poor me, poor me. But we don't get anywhere by playing the poor me card. The amygdala does because then the amygdala doesn't have to take any action. But then we just want what we want, but we never go out and get it because we're not doing the things to get it. So I always try to help clients see the hard versus harder. Yes, working out is very hard. But feeling uncomfortable in your own skin is so much harder. Pulling at your clothes all the time, getting in and out of the car, that's so much harder than a workout. But the brain every single day will say, do not work out. My brain does it every single day. It tells me not to. And I'm like, "Okay, amygdala, I see you. But I like to feel comfortable in my own skin. I want to be a good role model to my kids. I want to show my kids me choosing hard. I want to build my confidence. I want to have more energy. I want to be in a good mood. Someone said today that an hour of cardio is like the same strength and releases the same chemicals in our body as Prozac. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That is amazing. So these are all the things that I want. So I'm going to do these things to get all those things that I want. Then there's a bridge between want and get versus just wanting and wanting and wanting and wanting and wanting. I have so many people that come to me and say, I want to lose weight. I want to stop yelling. I want to have a happier marriage. I want to have an organized house. And I say, "Okay, I totally get you. So do these things. I give them the meal plan. I tell them the workouts to do. I tell them how to hold the space. I teach them how to organize their house. And then the ones that do it, get it. And the ones that don't, don't. It's craziness to me because they're so desperate for change. But then what they want versus what they're doing always aligns with what they get. And I help people build businesses. I help people be entrepreneurs. And they say it's so hard. And I say, yes, it is very hard because your mind management, you have got to do a lot of mind management. But you know what's harder for me? Living on the hamster wheel, David stressed to the gills, me stressed to the gills, having nothing left in the tank for the kids, so much harder. That was my medicine ball. And so building a business and being an entrepreneur, so much easier. It's also very hard to be vulnerable and ego-free and think about what your spouse wants and find out their love language and pour into them because you have to drop your ego. You have to be vulnerable. You have to show up without expecting anything in return. That's hard. You know what's harder? Living in a home within your four walls where there's tension, eggshells, and you feel like you're living with your brother or your roommate and your roommate that you don't even get along with, so much harder. So when the amygdala tries to do the amygdala's job, you can override the amygdala by saying, yes, this is hard, but the option, the other option is so much harder. Let's go. We got this. Lily scoliosis, so hard. Physical therapy, talking about back surgery having to have her, having her fitted for a brace that costs thousands and thousands of dollars that needs to be replaced every year so hard we got this let's do this what's the lesson how is this happening for us how is this not happening to us we're not the victims here empowered thinking laundry is one thing that is very hard emptying the dishwasher very hard but you know what's harder not having laundry to fold. David and I lived like that for six years after we were married of having no laundry to fold other than our own. And so when I have laundry and it's the kids' laundry and it's the sports laundry and it's stinky and smelly and filled with all of the grass marks, I'm like, this is so easy because the alternative is so much harder. We were out out of dishwasher for a while. That's much harder than emptying the dishwasher. So when the amygdala does what the amygdala is supposed to do, that is okay. Just be thinking about your thinking, and then you can change your thinking. You don't have to think the thoughts you've always thought. This is such good news. And I help so many parents that say, it's so hard to hold the space and do the steps and see my kids uncomfortable. It's so hard, Kelly. And I say, that's hard. But you know what's harder? Sleeping with mommy guilt, disconnection, teaching your kids to yell and scream. That's so much harder. Breaking patterns, breaking conditioning, that's hard. Doing the same old, same old, so much harder. And I have so many parents that I help that want to be the perfect parent. They want to be do all the things. And that is a great goal to be a healthy striver. But don't do it to a point where you're not enjoying any of it. I used to want to be such a perfect parent that I wasn't enjoying any of it. So I know that part of being a perfect parent, what I was striving for, Enjoying it is probably number one on the list if you want to be the perfect parent. So now I've taken the pressure off my shoulders of imperfect parenting, B minus work, and I'm enjoying it so much more because I get to determine what a B minus parent looks like based on my report card, based on my curriculum, based on my rubric. I'm not using the kids anymore. That is really much more fun to live that way. Because then I take off the pressure of my kids to be perfect. Because that saying goes, if you're worried about being a good parent, that means you already are one. So I can have all the comments made to me. I could have things said behind my back. And that's okay, Because it just falls in the B minus. But I know that no one's saying that I'm yelling and screaming and name calling my kids. So that, for me, is a non-negotiable. So you get to determine what your rubric is for B minus work nothing external, no one's saying anything about your parenting, a mother-in-law or a sister or a brother or a mom friend or someone in your mom circle, they can say all the things. That's just they're projecting onto you. If it sticks, if it hurts, if it stings, if you feel defensive, then look for the truth in it. Look for the truth in it and then fix that truth. Kind of like when the guys on social media said that I talk too much and that's why my kids don't listen. I'm like, yeah, they're kind of right. What's the truth in it? When your husband says something or your kid says something and it it brings up an emotion for you, examine that. If your kids say you're, talk, you're on your phone too much, instead of being, no, I'm not, I'm doing blah, 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 and get all defensive, examine it. You know what? You're right. I probably am. Thanks for letting me know. If it stings, if it hurts, if it brings up defensive energy... That's your work. That's your GPS. Like if someone says you have blue hair and you don't have blue hair and nothing, it's not going to sting. It's not going to penetrate. It's not going to hold any water. So it will fly right off your shoulders. If someone says Kelly drinks a lot and she's an alcoholic, that's going to go right over my head. I probably have two beers a week if that. That's not going to stick. If someone says Kelly talks too much. I'm like, huh, I think they might be right. Kelly says, someone says, Kelly's house is a mess. I'm like, yeah, sometimes it is. I'm working really hard on it. It's so hard for me. It's very natural for my husband to be orderly and neat. Not that easy for me. So if that stings or if it has some defensive energy that comes up, you're you're right. When they're right about it all, then there's nothing to fight back about. Whether your kids are saying it or your spouse is saying it or a friend that you love, listen to it all because then you'll know if it's projection versus, huh, yeah, I think they might be right there. There's always some truth in it if it brings up that defensive energy. And then the brain sees you as one with the heart. Then the amygdala tries to do its amygdala's work, and then you disempower the amygdala over time. But you don't character assassinate yourself in the process. I have so many moms that I work with that are so hard on themselves. And then they're so hard on their kids. I only know that because I used to be so hard on myself. So I was so hard on the kids and so hard on David and so hard on all the things. I wasn't enjoying much of it. So I'm trying to teach parents how to enjoy not only the journey, but also enjoy their kids and the gifts. And they're trying to bring out that little girl in us and that little boy in us that lives within us and was always there and turn into healthy striving instead of perfectionism. or always saying, I'm on the struggle bus. I'm a hot mess express. That serves no one. It's very disempowering. And then you're going to create more of it, just like I was when I was crying on the phone with the realtor. Very disempowering. I was looking for evidence over and over and over how much I was a hot mess. So when you say you're on the Hot Mess Express, it just creates more struggle and more, you're not on the Hot Mess Express. Your thinking might be, but when you change your thinking, you change your feelings, which change your actions, which change your results. So remember to choose hard, choose the struggle, because you're the perfect person for it. It wouldn't be happening for you because the lesson is there. You just have to look for it and keep choosing hard. Keep overriding the amygdala. Keep overriding the monkey mind. Keep choosing the working out or building a business or being vulnerable with your spouse or doing the laundry with that energy that I had with the raffia bows after Jennifer says, Take control of the raffia. Take control of your laundry. Love the laundry. Appreciate the washing machine and it will love you back and it won't feel so hard all the time. Just remember the weightlifting analogy. Remember that strength is always built in the struggle and remember that the brain always wants to go to victim, overwhelm, confusion, pity, feeling sorry for itself, just like I was with the moldy house, just like I was when Lily was being difficult back in the day and Grady was being difficult. It serves no one and it gets you nowhere and you're literally like you're in quicksand running in place and getting nowhere and then it's the same stuff, different day it's like Groundhog's Day over and over and over. So when you want, do, and get, you, when you align those three, and you choose hard over and over and over, then life starts to feel very easy. It's kind of like when I was playing soccer. I learned more on the soccer field than I ever did in the classroom, because they would always pain is weakness leaving your body. When you get when you fall down, you get back up. It teaches you grit. And how are we going to teach our kids grit, unless we're modeling and embodying it first? I didn't run the marathon because I love running. I read the marathon because I wanted to show my kids how to cho- show up for hard and how to show up for trainings. The marathon was very symbolic of how we choose hard every single day. So challenges are going to come. That's how life is set up. That's part of the human experience. How we show up creates confidence. It, sh- it creates resilience. It creates grit, but not from a victim place, but from an empowered place and then we give that same power to our children because we model and embody that empowerment energy. And then they take control of their own raffia and their own life on their struggles, what they're dealing with. So I hope this helped. Find me on the gram. Find me on Facebook. I love you all so much. And thank you for the comments, likes, and shares. It means the world to me because every single time I sit down to do this, my brain says, don't do it. Play small. Keep it to yourself. Who do you think you are? Stop. Don't show up. every day single stinking honkin' time so I'm modeling and embodying it for you because I'm choosing hard and I'm waiting for this to feel easy and it still doesn't but that's okay because I'm always going to choose hard I love you guys have a wonderful day and I'll see you on the next episode talk to you soon bye-bye hey mamas thanks for listening if you had any ahas clicks or those lightning bolt moments while listening you have to check out my free parenting boot camp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com and if you really wanna fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt resonating moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.